It's time to put on your sleuthing cap, feel nail-biting dread, and face heart-racing fear. This is Queer Writers of Crime, where you'll get book recommendations and hear interviews with LGBTQ authors of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. Here's your host, Brad Shree. So, Philip, it is July, which means this is your July book recommendation. I was able to figure that out on my own. <laughs> Hi, Brad. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you enjoying your summer? Yeah, actually, I am. Yeah, we had a local festival today. It was outside. I got to be outside most of the day with my dog and some neighbors, and it was just lots of fun. So, yes, I absolutely am. Did you go to any Pride events last month? Uh, I did not go on any pride events. No, I have to say, um, sorry to say about that. Well, I didn't either. I don't have any around here. I'm in the middle of Trump country. Yeah, we, we do have one about 20 minutes away, but, uh, I was, um, I had other engagements unfortunately. And, um, but I, I always do try to do something, um, every, every year if I can. Yeah. I, uh, talked to somebody and I said, is there anything going on? I said, I know I used to see like a Lutheran church put this big festival on. And the woman said, oh yeah, I'm the one that helped organize it. Unfortunately, the next year we got it, we had a new minister who had a total different attitude and our pride festival went out the window. So hmm. now the only pride events we have are the two bars in town and they all promote getting drunk and go have fun with pride. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. I was prideful anyway. Yeah, we try. I try to be uh, 30, 365 days a year. So. <laughs> yes. And right now, I've got to tell you, I don't know if you noticed this, but right now I'm actually wearing my, uh, it's a t-shirt that I got from Redbubble, and it's an image of B. Arthur, and it says, be proud. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, I love it! And there's a ra- and there's and there's a rainbow going around all over her head. So, so I am full of pride today. Very good. I posted on social media. I think only posted on Instagram my new shirt that I was excited because I got it just in time for Pride, and it says "Honk if you love sodomy." <laughs> That's fantastic. I wish, I wish I there was a Pride event I could go to because. No, in this town, I could not go around wearing it, and I certainly can't go around wearing it with my Catholic mother-in-law. She's open-minded Catholic, but she's still Catholic. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I, I still love my shirt, and one day I'll get to wear it publicly. Sounds great. So I saw it, and I had to buy it. I said, I don't know where the hell I'm going to use this shirt, but I got to have it. So <laughs> that was my, that's my big pride event. I got a new shirt that I can't wear. <laughs> People are probably waiting to hear what you're going to talk about and say, will these guys ever shut up? who and what book are you going to talk about so i have uh, another i think i said this two months ago i had a very special book and once again i just have a very special book this month that i want to talk about it is called knock off the hat awesome and it is clifford waterman (laughs) i'm sorry i cut you off you just got me excited i didn't know you were gonna do this book go ahead yeah i that's i i was wondering when you were gonna say something so, uh, again, the book is called Knock Off the Hat. It's Clifford Waterman, Gay Philly Mystery Number 1, and it's by someone that we should all be very familiar with. And if not, uh, if you're new to this podcast or new to queer crime writing, you should uh, look this guy up as soon as you get done with this podcast. So it's by Richard Stevenson. Um, Richard Stevenson was an American journalist. He was a mystery author, um, and he was best known for his Donald Strachey mysteries. 
Unfortunately, Richard died this year on March 16th at the age of 83, but he left us with an amazing treasure of of books. He's got 16 Donald Strachey mysteries for us. He started in 1981 with Death Trick, and he ended in 2019 with Killer Reunion. And just to put that in a little bit of a perspective for everyone out there, Joseph Hansen's Dave Branstetter came out in 1970, and Michael Nava's first Henry Rios mystery came out in 86. So Stevenson really was a literary trailblazer. Um, He finally won a Lammy in 2011 for Red, White, Black, and Blue. And uh, frequent listeners of Queer Writers of Crime will know that four of his novels were adapted into films for Here TV during the 2000s. And that's all I will say about the adaptations because... (laughs) Because Brad, you've said a lot. So I will say I started watching them again. After he died, I said, even though he didn't like the movies, yeah. I, I still have to watch them. So I did uh I have watched them. Yeah, they Yeah. I, I watched them a long time ago. Yeah, he, so. he had every right to be disappointed, but still how many people get four of their books made into a movie? And also, at the time when these came out, because the first one came out in 2005, it was exciting that a mystery novel was getting, you know, adapted, a queer mystery novel. It was very, very exciting. I mean, now I, I keep think, I keep saying to myself, why hasn't this book been book adapted, been, been adapted? Because now we have so many streaming services that there's no excuse anymore. So, um, so it was exciting at the time. Yes. And I've said it before. Um, Chad Allen is the star. Uh, he plays Donald Strachey. Yep. What Richard told me was I would never have chosen him as Donald, but he really did great. Yeah, he did. He really, he really, he really made that character come to life, I think, which was great. And uh, I can't, Timmy, the uh, guy who played his uh, partner, which is another nice thing. They've been together since the beginning, which is refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They were late seventies, early eighties couple in the beginning, which means- Donald would sleep with somebody just to, or I hate the word sleep. He would get it on with somebody uh, to get <laughs> clues. But as time passed, that that just kind of faded away. So, But they were together from the beginning. Yeah. And you talk about yeah. Richard Stevenson, I get all excited. So I'm going to shut up and let you. That's okay. That's okay. I will tell you this. He was so excited about this book. Mm. Uh, he emailed me because he and Michael have been friends for years. Yeah. And he emailed me because he was excited. He had a new book coming out. And he was especially excited it was going to be with the publisher that uh, Michael Nava is now the head editor, editor of. He died just a few weeks before the book was released. Mm-hmm. But I will say he did have a good attitude about it. He, he was very accepting of it. This is it. You know, that's okay. Yeah. So, that's yeah. great. So anyway, um, now now let's talk about the book or, or more about him if you'd like. Yes. Well, no. So fast. I was going to say fast forward to 2022. So Knock Off the Hat, as you mentioned, was released in April. And I just wanted to start this off by reading what I wrote on Goodreads. I try to read. I try to write a little something. Mainly, this is the librarian in me. I try to write a little bit something every time I read a, a book um, on my Goodreads so that then three years from now, when somebody says, what did you think of that book? And I have no recollection of it. I can look it up. So this is what I said about uh, Knock Off the Hat from Richard Stevenson. Such a beautiful yet bittersweet moment. Richard Stevenson is gone. He gave us the wonderful Donald Strachey mysteries. And this book was the start of something, a brand new series set in 1940s Philadelphia a new PI named Clifford, and a deliciously complicated mystery packed with landmarks and familiarity sure to please any Philly lover. 
Bon voyage, Richard. You sure did give us a great send-off. That's awesome, yes. So, so Brad, our hero, Clifford Waterman, who I've mentioned a couple times here, he's, uh, he was a cop before he served in World War II in the Army. He was dishonorably discharged for an indecent act with a native in Cairo. And the interesting thing, that keeps coming up throughout the book. And you really, as a reader, you start to wonder if the fate of his discharge wasn't sealed a little bit stronger because he was caught with an Egyptian rather than a Westerner. So I feel like very subtly, Stevenson sort of melds xenophobia and homophobia together. So obviously, when he comes back from war, he's not asked back by the Philadelphia police force. So he becomes a private investigator. And at the beginning of the book, he meets a young man who was caught in a gay bar raid. And keep in mind, this is 1947 Philadelphia. So it's 22 years before Stonewall happened in New York City. Um, Queer people were no, not good. Queer people were constantly being harassed for trying to find uh, either sex or companionship or friendship. Um, and it also turns out, and this is what sort of piques, uh, piques Clifford's interest, it turns out that the young man is not being bribed with the normal amount of money to get, all, to get this sentence off, but it's 10 times that amount. So these poor guys are being arrested and um, he fa- Clifford finds out that they're being, char- they're being asked to give uh, the crooked judge five hundred bucks, and five hundred bucks in nineteen forty seven becomes sixty five hundred dollars today. So there's a lot of us out there that that would be a huge amount of money to have to cough up, especially if you're thinking of these are younger guys in their twenties, maybe early thirties. You know, they're just starting their lives, um, and also back then, a lot of gay people and queer people didn't have high paying jobs because unless they could pass, they they you know they had problems even getting careers going. So the arrests and bribes begin multiplying, and before you know it, Clifford's in over his head. And also, he becomes a target himself, and he's not really sure um, what you know what that's about. So I, at this point, I want to say something that I don't normally say, because these are book recommendations, and so I always love the book. But I have to tell you that when I first started reading the book, for the, about the first third of the book, I thought it was okay. Like I didn't I didn't know where it was heading. I wasn't sure whether I was going to love it or not. So there was a lot of setup. Um I was feeling pretty good about it, but then he he Stevenson just had this beautiful way of just sort of bumping up the suspense a little bit, bumping up the story, bumping up the suspense. So all of a sudden you're like, "Holy shit, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm starting to feel a little nervous because this is really a suspense." And, and a thriller, sort of a mystery. And it just, everything sort of clicked. And it was really, really great. Um, also, he introduced a lot of characters um, within this book. And so I just want to go over just a few of those characters because they're all pretty interesting. So the first person that we hear about is uh, someone named Leslie Croyer. And he's the first victim um, who was picked up at the Stem to Stern. That's one of the gay bars in Center City, Philadelphia, back in the 40s. So for those of you that are out there that know Pennsylvania or know Philadelphia or have been there throughout your life, there's some really great references to Philly and to the surrounding area, to Valley Forge and places like that. Um, there's another gay bar called Polly Wally's that's uh, rumored to be targeted next. So really, it was a lot of fun for me. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up about 45 minutes north of Philadelphia. I have uh, my youngest niece lives in Philly and I go there often. So it was fun to see all those references. The first person that Clifford really meets is Byron Summerson, and he's Leslie's friend. So he, Summerson, is the person that actually hires Clifford to um, help out with this. 
Then we run into uh, a really shady character named Judge Harold Stetson. They call him the Hat because of his last name. He's a real corrupt magistrate, a judge, and he has a sidekick named Ray Phipps. And between the two of them, they're the ones that are extorting all this money from these young men. And then we hear from Bobby Carletti. Bobby Carletti's a Philadelphia cop. He's also closeted. I, it doesn't say specifically whether he's gay or bisexual, but he's married with four kids and lives in the suburbs, but he also fools around with guys. So he and Clifford trick occasionally, um, but it's very casual and uh, they just have a good relationship with each other. And he bit pretty much Carletti is compartmentalizing his life. So one of the cool things about the book uh, is that because it's 1947, there's a historical fiction element to it. So two of his kids are involved in what they call this new thing. And it, the new thing is Little League. <laughs> so you don't ever think about like, when was Little League made but uh, created? But obviously it was the mid-40s that Little League was created. Uh, also later on in the book, there's a number of conversations about a new type of record that's coming out next year, meaning in 1948. And that record is the LP. So the LP came out in the late 40s as well. So those kinds of touches to me are just gold. I mean, I love historical fiction and I love when it's woven in with another genre. So whether it's historical mysteries, historical romance, it just can it just brings a lot of fun, I think, into and and kind of some aha things like, oh, okay, that was that's when that was discovered or that's when that was uh, originated. That's cool. So on top of Leslie, we also meet Tom Hymer and Amos Leary, which are two more men that are caught up in the raids. And they end up, in particular, Hymer ends up having a really pivotal plot line in there. Uh, He teaches high school industrial arts, which we used to call shop class back in the day. He's also his union's treasurer, um, which figures into the story as well. And then Amos is a shoe salesman at a big department store called Wanamakers, which was actually a real store that existed. Uh, there's also Trevor Dunlop, who was Tom Hymer's uh, platonic roommate. He's also a, spe- a specific, oh, excuse me. He's also a, spe- a suspicious, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Dunlop was Tom's platonic roommate, and he's also a very suspicious character throughout the book. So that's a fun storyline to follow as well. Um, and then finally, uh, Tom had a fling with a guy named Monty Hinkle. He's a gay jazz musician. Monty also um, has a number of scenes with Clifford because Monty and Clifford are together, not as boyfriends, but they they hang out together. So, um, so Monty has a pretty full life because he's got um, he had a fling with Tom. He's got some time that he spends with Clifford, and he also has a boyfriend in Paris. So the book is really full of fantastic writing from Richard Stevenson. Um, there's a great line from Clifford when he interviews a retired school teacher who works with Tom, and that goes, um, but stereotypes can be misleading. For instance, my hairdresser, Raul of Society Hill, he comes across as gay, but he's actually straight. And then the next line is Clifford thinking to himself, not saying this out loud, but thinking to himself, I knew Raul, and on occasion, we had trimmed each other's bangs, but there's no my, there's no point in my mentoring that mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so immediately you start to pick on Clifford's, you know, he's very no nonsense as a PI, but he's got a real sarcastic, dry sense of humor. And it comes through throughout the book. So even though it's a murder mystery, or, or it's, well, yeah, it's a murder mystery, a mystery. Um, there's a lot of fun moments in it. And um, you're trying to f- sort of figure out who Clifford is as a person and his humor is a big part of that. There's also a really fantastic underlying current of dread 
whether uh, any of these characters will get to continue on in their lives or if they'll be out outed and then their lives will be ruined. And I don't say that as in like, it's not a fun story and it's not a good mystery, but it's reality. And Stevenson, I have to give him credit. He really, um, he really was very clear about how difficult it was for, you know, in particular, in this case, the characters are gay men, how difficult it was for them to have any sort of semblance of a life. And this was only 75 years ago. So I think you know, stories like this, you know, we can all read nonfiction. Nonfiction is amazing. But when you weave stories like this into fiction, I think it really helps to teach people um, what things were like, you know, historical aspects of a community, in this case, the queer community. So it's, I felt really happy that 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 was one of the routes that he took with this book. Yeah. I mean, it's 75 years ago, but that actually was when you could easily end up in jail, a mental institution, and sometimes castrated. Exactly. Yep, because it was a it was a horrible mental illness that we have. Yeah, it really was, and it wasn't until the seventies that the American Psychiatric Association, you know, scratched that from their records. So we're talking this was a long time before nineteen seventy two. Yeah, so yeah. so it's it's just the these these guys come off to me as being heroes when I read this book, yeah. um, and not just Clifford, but the other guys that are actually out there and they're living their lives and they're kind of saying. You know, like fuck you. I'm. This is how. This is what I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna do what I need to do to survive. But I'm not gonna have this asexual life because that's not who I am. So, um, a couple more quotes that I thought were really fun. So, um, Moni is, um, as I mentioned, Moni is uh, is friends, sort of friends with benefits with Clifford. But he talks about when he was um, with Tom Heimer at one point in the book, which is one of the guys that's being blackmailed. And Moni says this, which I thought was really funny. Um, the thing was, it got to be like whenever we were screwing, it was like a three-way with Tom, me, and W.E.B. Du Bois. <laughs> he liked to say, whenever he was with me, he felt closer to Du Bois. It was a big turn on for Tom. <laughs> I finally asked him to cut it out. I said, Tom, maybe you should suck off Albert Einstein. <laughs> you could eat the atomic bomb that way. <laughs> but he kept it, but he kept it up and it got boring. So Moni becomes a really fun secondary character. Um, he has a lot of information that Clifford needs. And so Clifford goes to him throughout the book for help. And they also have a great sort of casual sex uh relationship together as well. I know I'm really pushing the possibility here, but I felt throughout the book as if Richard was setting up Moni to possibly be a primary character in another book. And I'm just saying that because of course we won't ever know that, but, uh, but he was a really, really strong secondary character. Another quote from the book, uh, this, this is later on in the book, but it reveals no spoilers at, at, at all. It just really emphasizes how openly homophobic straight men could be to gay men to their face. I mean, I think in this day and age, you know, of course we have social media and people are trashing each other on social media, but I do think for the most part, when people are face to face, there's not a lot of name calling, but it wasn't that way back in the forties. So this quote is just really, um, really amazing to me. So this guy, so Clifford at this point is talking to a cop from another town and this is what the cop says to him. All I know is what somebody up there somewhere wants. Maybe it's the mayor, maybe it's J. Edgar Hoover, maybe it's the fucking Pope. But I can tell you this, Mr. Gumshoe Sissy Fag, if you and your people know what's good for you, you'll all move to Satan's back porch, Greenwich Village, and leave Philly to the normal Christian folk. 
I just heard when I came in today that the two ferry bars on Cuthbert Street that were fumigated by the department last week are going to close down for good. So you all can take it from there. It's up to you if you want to be in sexual deviant heaven or sexual deviant hell. If you get any ideas, which you being a dumb homo prick won't, give me a call. Have a good day. Slam. And so the very next line, the last line that I'll quote is, after I hung up, I wondered if changing my Yellow Pages listing to to Mr. Gumshoe Sissy Fag would hurt my business or help it. (laughs) So again, like he's just got a great way of like just taking really dark sort of negative, you know, and just sort of sort of with it with that dry sense of humor, just pushing himself through it. So it's really great. Um, And then I'm just going to end with one small quote, uh, one more small quote, which is uh, I'm doing this simply because I think a lot of us uh, got through COVID by um, by stress eating. And so uh, a number of us probably have a few more pounds in 2022 than we had before. So Clifford says, and this is Clifford talking about him himself, talking about his body. I was only 43 and quite a fine specimen, except for some sprouting love handles. When I mentioned these to Bobby Carletti, He said, yeah, Cliff, you've got four love handles, the ones at your waist, plus your two ears. (laughs) And he, and then, and then, uh, and then Clifford calls that North Philly homo wit. So anybody out there who's from Philadelphia might, might recognize that even 75 years later. So knock off the hat is it's just an outstanding PI series. It's definitely historical fiction mixed with a bit of mystery. Well, mixed with more than a bit, it's mixed with mystery. It's smart, it's sarcastic, it's brutal in some places, which I loved, uh, realistic, and just a really great mystery. And so I'd just like to end by thanking, really specifically thanking Michael Nava and Amble Press, which is an imprint of Bywater Books, for making sure that Richard Stevenson's newest and unfortunately final gay private investigator showed up in print for all of us Donald Strachey fans to obsess over. This is truly one final gift from a hugely talented writer someone who wrote his truth and paved the way for all of us to obsess over our favorite genre, queer crime. Thanks, Brad. You know, I want to point something out that was amazing to me. I've never met Richard, but we, I interviewed for the show and, and we became really good email buddy. You know, he was always exciting. He would email me very, almost like a childlike email. He would be so excited about things to show that a man who's 81 years old, who says, I'm going to start a new book series. That's amazing. I think it should be an inspiration to any of us out there listening to this podcast that life does not end. It doesn't end when you retire. It doesn't end when you reach a certain decade. It's like it's out there to grab and enjoy. And the fact that he took his creativity and gave this out to the world, like you said, you know, wrote a brand new book with a brand new protagonist at 81 and got it out there, you know. It, it published, what, weeks after, just a couple weeks after he died is such a huge gift. It's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. And right now it just says a gay feeling mystery, but it used to say book one. I know. And that's what I thought was so cool is he didn't just say, I'm going to write a book. He said, I'm going to write a series. That's pretty amazing to me. I do have some news for you and for some other. Well, first, let me talk about this book, which I absolutely loved. Okay. I loved Knock Off the Hat. Good. One thing that concerned me, which happens in other books, is from 1981 to 2019, he wrote the 16 Donald Strachey novels. Right. So my concern was, okay, we're going to read Donald Strachey in 1940s Philadelphia. Yeah. Nope, he did not do that. 
he successfully did not do that. He didn't do And that it. would have been very easy to fall into yeah. not realizing you did. Yep. I think he did a, Agreed. a great job there. However, here's the big news. This is not the last publication by Richard Stevenson. Okay. <laughs> there are 16 Donald Strachey books, soon to be number 17. Really? Yes. Requeered Tales, in case people don't know, they take out of print, mostly mysteries, but a lot of others that are post Stonewall and they republish them because a lot of them mm -hmm. haven't been published in ages and they republish them. Yeah. Well, they signed an agreement with Richard that they are putting out all new books of Death Trick mm. to Killer Reunion, all his 16 books, and their new covers are fabulous. Yeah. In addition to that, he wrote a Donald Strachey novel that they will be releasing this fall. Wow, that's fantastic. And it's called Chasing Rembrandt. Nice. Uh, that's exciting. That is very exciting. So Yay. a little gift yeah. to everybody. Thank you, Rickward Tales, for doing that. Thank you for to Richard for doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so thrilled you did this book recommendation. Me too. Me too. It was just a great, just a great send-off for uh for this guy. Yes, it was. What a, what a huge talent and so inspiring to all of us on so many different levels. Yeah, I would say he inspired hundreds of writers, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm anxious to see what you have for us in August. <laughs> we will see. See you next month. <laughs> see you then. If you enjoy Queer Writers of Crime, let others know with a review. It helps build an audience and introduce more people to queer crime fiction. Apple and iTunes are where most people search for new shows, but if you don't use either, other apps that allow reviews include Podcast Addict, Overcast, and Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, help spread the word to tune in to Queer Writers of Crime.